Good morning or evening, wherever in the world you're listening to. At last count on the analytics, uh, we had, I think, about nine or ten different countries in the listenership. So thank you for spreading the word on this endeavor. Today's uh, message or uh, discussion is called Love Being the Underdog. It's a chapter in a book called Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted, which I had the privilege of co-authoring with Rick Beluzzo, who at that time was chairman of the Quantum Corporation and uh, had just finished being president of Microsoft. So how can you love being the underdog? Well, we can start by asking some questions for those of you who are listening. Have you ever been patronized? That is, have you ever been told that you were the right person for the job and then momentarily later or uh, in a moment being told that someone else was getting it because that applicant had a little extra? Have you at any time in the course of your professional journey wondered if you were the one who was going to get a break? Were you on anybody's radar? Were you on anybody's horizon? See, success as a commodity is always going to have standards that seem arbitrary. However, when you look at personal and professional achievements as a journey with a destination, the rules seemingly become different. And most of us uh, try to anticipate or look at this journey, but don't look at destination. Nobody loves being the underdog, contrary to the title. But the premise of the principle is trying to find the common ground and uh, propels the mind to start looking for solutions. We are in some dire places right now mentally and we need to be looking for solutions. Some of the solutions are actually glimpses into what does not work for one, but may work for someone else. Like during this contagion, people have found ways to monetize a living and found other ways to make a living as we discussed. An underdog is always learning to add to a personal arsenal of beliefs in order to move ahead, to be productive in the race. In business, we encounter certain principles of performance that just stand out in our minds and stay with us over a period of time. You know, when I was uh, beginning my career of working with the Zig Ziglar Corporation, uh, an opportunity arose. I was given the opportunity to expand the international business. Now, Mr. Ziegler's reputation had already reached the status of legend at that point. And many people wanted to become vendors of his ideology, uh, partners of his uh, curricula, but mostly for the regard they received when they advertised uh, his name as one of uh, his clients. So I think there was a, there was a success by proxy or success by affiliation, which is uh, one of the things that is actually a detriment. The organization at that time had a lot of speakers and consultants who traveled domestically and that side of the business was, was quite firm and it was established, which means the North American component of Mr. Ziegler's arsenal was well uh, established. Changing something and adding just an international component that did not include him would, uh, would be a long process. Now, knowing the international business that I would represent would be a fraction of the travel budget of the organization, a lot of people were still vying for it. Uh, during this time, I was privileged to engage the services of Skypass Travel 
for these limited international trips. Now, I did not know what that relationship would be, but uh, the recommendation from a friend uh, about the choices and that that company had a stellar reputation was the reason. I did not know the owners, I did not know anybody. The CEO of that company, Victor Abraham, treated me with true pride for what I had done as a person from India, trying to make a mark in the seminar business. You see, he was already a successful entrepreneur, had originally hailed from India, and I was the struggling aspirant in a, in a predominantly Western organization, trying to make a mark for myself, knowing that the business that I was going to bring in was going to be a small part, but it would both help my fledgling career and also cement some of the things we were trying to accomplish. Uh, Victor never really cared about the dollar amount of any specific transaction with me. In fact, if I would remember right, most of those tickets were probably less than $2,000. He was always, you know, extra gracious in lifting me up with the assurance that if there was anything he could do to further my own pursuits, he would do it if I only asked. Now, here was a total stranger. I'm embarrassed to count the number of times he came through on his promise, though, over the years that since have passed. But now, almost after 15, closing on 20 years of that relationship, uh, we work as business partners globally. You know, when you build your reputation with your vendors and clients, do it with genuine pride. Do it for the relationship of the long game instead of false pride for the short-term benefits. Some of the principles that we can learn from being an underdog. False praise is in the eyes of the one being affected an assault on innocence. Let me repeat that. False praise is in the eyes of the one being affected an assault on innocence. In the jungle that is the corporation and the mayhem that is daily activity, People who spend their time praising others for reasons other than genuine concern are missing the point. There is a dearth of real recognition in the world of people with huge holes in their heart. Before I ask you for a gut check, I'm holding my own hand high, I guess, held high, <laughs> to be honest with myself for, for having participated in that false praise ritual. Sometimes we get caught up in praising others especially when you believe you're the underdog. You always have this, uh, this victim mindset that why would anybody else care for you? They probably have an ulterior motive. You know, when Victor Abraham drove uh, and handed me, though in those days they were the printed tickets, uh, and drove and handed me a ticket instead of just putting it in the mail and then taking me to a meal, which was probably more than the commission he made on that single ticket, it reminded me that Lifting other people up is a deliberate, but if done genuinely, it will truly impact that person for the rest of their life. So the first component is just be aware of false praise, whether you're, if you're receiving it, be cautious of it. Uh, if you're giving it, be even more cautious of it. Second component in, uh, in being the underdog is reiterating your commitment. This should not include a rendition of your personal misery. 
in a future episode, I'm going to talk about the, the monopoly on misery. The, the world seemingly wants to believe that only a certain group of people or a certain class of people or a certain geographical location or a certain accent or a certain demographic are constantly the victims and everybody else is the oppressor. You know, in a recent speaking engagement, I found myself curled up on the back seat of a sedan for an all-night drive because a flight had been canceled. Now, this was, of course, when we were flying. I must tell you that I made it a point to inform everybody of my plight, <laughs> that I had gone from one city to another and I drove all night so I could make this engagement. Oh, you know, that martyr syndrome. I did it so I could claim martyrdom. <laughs> You know, that martyrdom in that cutthroat winner-take-all arena of motivational speaking. It's like the easiest gig in the world. I've been a motivational speaker now for 30 years. And I don't want anybody to think for a second that, uh, you know, uh, somehow I'm set apart from uh, the neuroscientists of this world or the people who find advanced cures for uh, catastrophic illnesses and people who plan... Uh, strategy for billion dollar comp companies. I mean, I parlay in 80% of my information is knowledge that passes through me. I think my greatest skill is amassing good information to impact people. But uh, the arena of motivational speaking, there's no martyrs in it. So just because I drove all night in a car that didn't give, but it, it just felt good bragging about it. If you are committed, you know, quit acting like a martyr because all suffering is personal and not relative. This is again from the book. Trying to reduce everything to the point of how much it costs is very human. Culture transformation, which is the arena I now engage in, uh, begins when individuals and institutions focus on commitment proactively and not reactively. Let me reread that. Cultural transformation begins when individuals and institutions focus on commitment proactively and not reactively. Every organization that succeeds pays a price, but the majority of them that enjoy the victory take three actions. Again, this is reading directly from the book, Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted, the chapter mark love being the underdog. They change their vocabulary to reflect that they paid the price, but they enjoy the benefits. So they change their vocabulary to reflect, not that they paid the price, but that they enjoy the benefits. Sorry, not that they paid the price, but that they enjoy the benefits. The system has the chronology of success displayed and does not showcase their mistakes for public consumption. So all the awards and all of their efforts are all, all of their recognitions are displayed. But nobody talks about the perils and the hardships and the failures and the, and the debt uh, on the wall. So, so first thing, they change their vocabulary. The second, the system shows the chronology of success. And third, everyone in the culture is fully ingrained in the positive traits that make up the story of success. And the third component is genuine gratitude. Should have no caveats, which means when you praise somebody, do it for the right reason. You either believe in everything you're doing or you don't. Don't be partially grateful for some of the things that please you and complain about the things that benefit others. You know, that's hypocritical. And in fact, that's what we're seeing a lot more of. Social media creates the largest brand of hypocrites. They praise that which benefits them and uh, criticize that which benefits someone else and uh, not realizing that opinions are just that, opinions. Someone with healthy self-image uh, participates in gratitude not because of any else, any other thing, but because it's liberating. 
I remember that on a recent speaking tour of Asia, my friend and co-author Rick Beluzzo, who I wrote this book with, reminded me during one of my rants that we were privileged. And I think my rant took place in a business uh, class uh, in an airplane where I was uh, in the section which has three seats. I had the middle seat and he, he took it. I mean, this man ran a couple of billion dollar companies and he said, Krish, you know, we're still flying in business class. And uh, I'm so obsessed with the fact that I want to be on the section which only has two so that, you know, all of those things, but it's still a business class seat. And uh, there are a lot of people who would trade places with me. Genuine gratitude for opportunity is something that should be on our hearts all the time. Building your reputation on this genuine pride and gratitude lets you take advantage of situations in which you are considered by some to be the underdog. Again, I'm reading from the book. Building your reputation on genuine pride and gratitude lets you take advantage of situations in which you're considered by some to be the underdog, but which in reality merely pay tribute to your lack of vanity. Vanity is false pride. When you have genuine pride in the journey and you believe that it is okay to be the underdog and you have this opportunity and you participate in genuine praise and you, many things will happen. So we're gonna ask you to ponder three questions let's just, just like we did in the book. Identify three steps that will assist you in simplifying your commitments. Identify three steps that will assist you in simplifying your commitment. For example, uh, loving others or uh, genuinely helping someone today who could have helped themselves or praising someone for a job well done or whatever it is, compliment, smile, compliment, handshake, club. Identify three steps that will assist you in simplifying your commitment. Second, who are the most committed people you know in your immediate family? This is your inner circle. Why do you think they've been able to succeed within the same environment? Some people in your inner circle, in your immediate family are more committed with the same background, with the same foundation. So the question is, who are they and why do you think they've succeeded? And lastly, if you're a small business owner, have a wall of gratitude that showcases your successes. Uh, Mr. Ziegler's organization had a wall of gratitude when you entered it. And the first thing you saw in that building to this man who had impacted so many lives with these are the people who have impacted mine. So until next time, love being the underdog. Happy trails. Keep on chugging and we'll see you down the road. God bless.